Hello and welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast. Back this week with another episode. Uh, my name is James Curtis. I'm joined by Dom Lewis. Dom, how are we doing? Yeah, very well. It was a it was another fun record this week. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, still no Matt as he's in New Zealand and couldn't dial in this time. But we had Chris from Wild Horse Brewing on, who's their head of sales. Yeah, he had some really great stories to tell, um, and I think gives a very different perspective on things. Yeah, coming in from an outsider's perspective of how the brewery started, it's something you not don't normally get when you have a founder on who was probably um, very stressed out about their new endeavour and it working and not picking up on all of the details. I know, but he definitely did it justice. I think uh, it's one of the best origin stories we've had so far. It's definitely going to be one to beat. Yeah, I mean, just how it related to a, a North American stampede is uh, something I didn't necessarily see coming. Again, it wasn't on my bingo card for this year, but uh, I've added that section now and it's good to tick these things off. You're still not going to tell me what the rest of your bingo card looks like? I'm not. I'm just going to let you know as they pop up. It sounds to me like you're making it up as you go along. Uh, Nothing wrong with that, though. Uh, Speaking of things that I make up as I go along, my marketing corner made another appearance. Yeah, I have to say it's... It's not often you get a nod of approval from me for your marketing corner, but you, you did outdo yourself this week. You did outdo yourself. So yeah, that's definitely something to something to watch out for. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, put that onto my CV now. Um, there are a few other highlights, but I think we'll 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 leave them as trailed and, and just jump into it. Uh, so uh, th- thanks for listening. And, and this is Chris from Wild Horse. Enjoy. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much for having us. Not at all. Um, I'm getting quite thirsty, so I'm going to crack into the first beer we're drinking, which is Nakota, a Session Pale. Do you mind telling us a bit more about this beer? Yeah, I've cracked mine already. Um, So Nakota is our flagship Session IPA. It's 3.8%. Amarillo, Equinox. Uh, mosaic and we uh, end of last year we made a bit of a recipe change and added citra because who doesn't love a bit of extra citra um yeah so we found that that just elevated the beer a bit more it's yeah it's kind of really nice citrus tropical fruit hazy it's got a little bit of oats in there not a huge amount i think about 15 percent. so it's not a crazy amount but it it just boosts the body Mm. considering it's a, a low abv beer so it it punches above its weight really it's it's what we brew half of the time at the brewery now so um wow. it is pretty much 50 percent of our output last year we we grew the the brand 66 percent wow which is pretty nut yeah it's pretty <laughs> we, we that's what we planned to do we thought there was basically the upper end of the scope of what we could grow it to we hit and it wow, just yeah, it, well it, done, uh, especially coming out of the back of COVID. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> um, we are like be, being in North Wales. Um, we yeah, and and being we were draft heavy before we went into COVID. So before COVID, eighty percent of our beer was was keg. Um, it's now about two thirds, but it's the kind of beer that lends itself to to sitting on a bar really well because it's it's low abv it's really flavorful um it's just yeah it's the kind of beer that you buy a pint of and before the end of that first pint you go sweet let's have another one of those uh, and that's that's always the intention with all our beers now i'm not saying that every single beer we brew we're expecting people to drink multiple pints of especially we've done dippers and export stouts and imperial stouts but um but this beer is the kind of beer that we it's a session ipa it's in the name it's it's yeah it's 
got the balance there. It's it's got a really nice like kind of one of our kind of house style, I guess, is what Chris our head brewer talks about. The signature style for wild horses is drinking quite quite dry at the end. Mm. Bit of bitterness in there, a bit more yeah. bitterness than maybe you'd expect from a New England style beer. And we don't always expressly talk about New England style because it's not always what we're shooting for, even if it's a hazy beer. But yeah, we very rarely talk about, I don't think we ever really talk about New England. We'll sometimes say soft and hazy, but but we what we really mean is that you're getting the beer that's a bit more fruity, a bit more fruit forward, a bit softer, but you are still getting a, a bitter backbone. It's, there's mm. no, we would never brew a beer that's no IBU because... They, we feel personally that they end up a little bit cloying and you wouldn't drink a pint of them. So it's so just sort of sipping along the first few sips that that kind of, yeah, slight bitterness on the back really gives it the drinkability. Um, but you do still have that kind of juice forwardness. Um, and yeah, at 3.8%, it obviously goes down quite nicely. But the uh, I think the bitterness, and I've said, I've said this before, it really does give you the edge that makes you think, actually, no, and the dryness as well goes yeah i will have that second pint although i'm saying that three sips in so we'll see where the night takes us <laughs> yeah I, I definitely think the um the bitterness is almost as important as the abv when it comes to a session like you mentioned there when you have that cloying feeling you like you say you get through one pint maybe of a super hazy boy but then if you if someone asks you do you want another one probably not maybe you just get a half maybe you'd switch you know whereas this with like that nice level of bitterness i think that's how you can you know continue the session have a few more points of it and just really enjoy it was the 3.8 percent was that like an important thought when it came into the recipe of this one did you want to get that three or did you just want to keep it anywhere around four it's interesting really yeah i mean when we when we devised the beer we knew that kind of uh, the magic number not to go below was about three and a half percent. So local to us, there's a brewery called Conway Brewery, and they've got a beer called Clogwin Gold. Now that's a cask ale, but it's a really nice golden ale, and that's three point six percent. So we we knew kind of that's really popular. We knew that that was probably the lowest we'd want to go, but we didn't think we'd we'd be able to get maybe enough flavour into a beer that low. We then thought about going a bit higher um, to 4.2 was probably the highest we, we considered with the beer. But ultimately, uh, coming back to where we are in North Wales, a lot of the pubs that we supply are pubs that you might have to drive to, uh, that you might be having a meal with um, when you're there. So, we yeah, we thought it was important to bring it under 4%. So just for that drinkability factor, we thought if we can get enough flavour into a beer of that strength, we can 3.8% makes sense. It's under that 4%. And Pete, yeah, it's North Wales is, is, is similar to a lot of the rural areas where people are very, very sensitive to ABV. It's, it's becoming less so, but certainly with kind of cascade and traditional beer, even 0.1% difference makes a difference to people. Um, and we, we have to respect that because that's where we are. And people, I've genuinely spoken to people before who've said, I won't go above three point nine percent, and you're like, "Wow, what about what about four percent?" And they're like, "No." Nah. I'm like, "Wow, that's dedication." <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like the p to a pound, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's mad. It's it, it's well, especially when you consider that you're allowed a variance when you brew beer point two percent at least. So you might actually be drinking beer that's stronger. But anyway, it's it's just a funny thing. It's 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 a, it's obviously a psychological factor. So mm. we wanted to avoid people opting against a beer because of its strength. But yeah, it just sat nicely in our range as well. So at the time, we had three beers in our core range. We had Buckskin, which at that time was a blonde. That's 4.5%. We had Palomino, seen, which was an that, American pale. The Buckskin seen a bit of a change then? Let's go from a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was an interesting one, actually. So when Dave uh, Dave devised the beer when he was homebrewing back here on his uh, balcony in Calgary in Canada... So that's where that's where his brew that's where that's where that's where Wild Horse started before it was okay. called Wild Horse. He was yeah he he was home brewing on a, an amazing little home brew kit on a balcony about twenty stories up in Calgary, um, <laughs> <laughs> and an an American blonde isn't really something that we see that much here. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the only brewery I've really seen do it is uh, is Pilot up in Edinburgh. They've got a beer called Blonde. And that's like a nice hoppy blonde. Um, so, but ours was a bit more with noble hops. So using uh, Willamette, which is like an American version of Fuggles, uh, using uh, Sars or Sladek, one of the kind of Czech hops. So it was still a bit like a lager, but it was using an ale yeast so we could turn it around a bit quicker. Okay. But ultimately we thought this beer, we felt this beer could be better as a lager and people would... We kind of the marketing on the beer previously was it was a lager ale hybrid, which kind of yeah. it was. It was a way to explain how it was going to taste, but it just didn't have that clipped lager finish from the yeast and the lagering. Yeah. But we thought we'll we'll make it a lager, which is basically made Chris's life a misery because it takes so long to turn around. Yes. <laughs> it takes for it takes forever to turn around because uh, we don't filter. Um, we don't use any sort of findings um, to to clarify the beer. Um, so we've just got to wait for it to drop as bright as we can get it because lager drinkers still want that. <laughs> because we're selling into into mainstream pubs a lot of the time, mm. um, we can't really get away with a, a beer that's as hazy as Nakota but tastes like a lager. It's still people want that. They want the beer to to, to look what they're like the what they're expecting. They want the brightness of a lager. They'll put yeah. up with a little bit of haze, but if it's mega hazy, then no. There are um, gonna be problems. Yeah, and there have been with yeah, we we have yeah we've lost accounts because we ended up with ha- giving them hazy lager. Wow. Um, even though it tasted, I mean, to be honest, it tasted great. Um, <laughs> yeah, not 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 many places we've we've lost that. So um, a lot of the places were understanding. So, but we just had to make sure that we got the the brightness of the beer right. The the next beer in the core range at the time was Palomino, which a few very loud voices still ask for. Um, mm-hmm. which is. It was five point four percent, kind of classic American pale ale. Okay. Uh, Chinook, Chinook Cascade, uh, a little bit orange in colour, so a bit of a malt backbone going on there, a bit of bitterness. Which was it was that was the first Wild Horse beer I ever tasted before I worked for Wild Horse, and it blew me away because there was there weren't really many breweries in our local area who produced that kind of beer, that kind of what was then modern for certainly for North Wales, and yeah, I mean kind of. That kind of classic American pale ale that you that the Colonel absolutely nail every single time, and you just drink and you go, I don't need a juicy boy. I'll have this. Thank you very much. Um, but it, but there were, there were beers out there that did the job of Palomino better, Jaipur, okay. for example, and it and it was the ABV 
conscious people in our local area. It was just too strong for a draft beer. We just didn't have enough permanent accounts to, to justify having it as a permanent beer. So so that ended up getting dropped. And the last one was Dark Day Porter, which is a 5%, just kind of traditional porter on keg. Delicious beer. Again, some loud voices who still want that back. But I think, the yeah, the only people that seem to have... Uh, really smashed doing dark keg beer of late have been Anspatch and Hob Day with London Black and yeah. that's the way to do it. They've managed to corner the, the kind of niche, the kind of craft beer side of, of, of a stout or a porter and they've, yeah, I've still not tried it but um, but they're doing, yeah, they see, they're seemingly selling a lot of that beer and that's, that's wicked. That's good to see that because competition's key. I think just having a monopoly on something's not not really that healthy. So yeah, mm. so yeah, that's that's kind of when the coat is sat. So we needed it to, we didn't. I, I guess boxing being at four point five kind of led us to push the coat below four. Mm-hmm. Is the long winded answer? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> we we got there. We got there. I was it was a lovely tale. I I was really interested by a few things you kind of brought up there, and I think the feedback is the the crucial one. Um, whether that be from the kind of the local accounts you have to that, or the local drinkers those accounts are feeding back to you but i thought it was very interesting talking there as well about what other people are doing in the market uh, i just wonder where you see that kind of balance between what kind of local people who are drinking it fresh and and from kegs versus the kind of cans and the national competition it's interesting because we focus so much on north wales that we're obviously influenced by the beer that we drink we we've got a number of really good places who sell beer from all around the uk some of the best breweries we've got a, a, a wicked beer shop called craft beer cave who is a, a literally a walk-in beer fridge with full of craft beer um they get some some really really great beer we, we're all beer drinkers at the brewery we all enjoy trying different stuff from different breweries i uh, we work really closely with bruiser i'm a I, I get boxes off of them, so I, I try stuff off, off different breweries. So, yeah, I mean, obviously our core beers are, are what they are, but in terms of when we do special releases, yeah, we do get influenced by by other breweries uh, about what they're doing, but more kind of the less of, I guess, less of the hype breweries, less of the, the yeah. ones at the forefront, less of the Verdants and the Polys who are doing great things. But, yeah, we, we kind of have we end up what we drink at the brewery ends up being things like burning sky kernel i've i've completely lost my train of thought mate I'm, <laughs> do you want to do you want to bring me back <laughs> no yeah it's very interesting I, yeah i think ultimately it kind of stays around local and i think that's probably if you if you have been in the north wales area you will have experienced some wild horse beer at some point whereas i think outside the area it's probably neat to a few people whereas i, I have to say matt has uh, has had the bruiser box uh, previously and, and did mention that it was uh, it was a great one to try so if you have got a bruiser box choice coming up i'll definitely have a look just sort of bringing it back to the, the growth then and, and the kind of local market with more and more going into cans has that affected the way you kind of been looking at beer and, and kind of special releases coming up yeah it's, it's actually we've actually found so since covid at the very beginning of the pandemic everything obviously turned to small pack Everybody was doing small pack. People that weren't doing small pack would started doing it, and the people who weren't doing very much were obviously doing a lot more, us included. Um, we've seen a very slow reduction in small pack across, well, from that time going going on, really. So we're, we're returning 
to be what we were, which was a draft heavy brewery, really. I I think ultimately that that's that's the best way to enjoy our beer. That yes, yeah. it's great to be able to have cans and it's lovely to be able to sit at home or in your garden or go around to a friend's house and, and crack some beers and, and we'll always have small pack and that's why we do small pack. Um but ultimately we we yeah we want to produce beers that people want to drink down the pub or uh go to a go to a restaurant and have a pint there or yeah I think that one of our best customers is a micro pub and the the kind of community that they've created the hub that's created uh, in Chandidno you go in there any night and there's there's multiple people having a chat whether they know each other or not and and I think that's that's really important and we, yeah we, we we're not keen necessarily to push it away from draft there's I know there's breweries out there that sell so much small pack and 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 that's absolutely brilliant and that's 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 down to, to their business model but I think we'll always be draft heavy and I'm, I'm yeah fairly fairly happy with that to be honest do you um dip your toes into the cask game as well so i imagine that's big in the area where you're situated uh, only recently yeah we've started so um people asked us for the entire time that we've existed do we do cask and the answer's always been no <laughs> um <laughs> the answer's always been no we don't do cask but partly because well mainly because that they've got into craft beer when he was in Canada, was never a cask drinker before he went. And when he came home, they don't really do much cask in North America. So he'd, he'd, all the beer he'd come across was keg, was brewing keg and was kind of, that was what infused him. So didn't go down the cask route. Um, and I think sometimes you can get pigeonholed as a cask brewery. Um, yeah. I know that there's a, there's a brewery that's no longer no longer going unfortunately but was definitely one of our massive inspirations was uh heavy industry don't know if you've ever heard of them but they they oh, were yeah. basically doing yeah they were doing silly beer in cask and keg in north wales before wow. anybody else came along to do it they were yeah just hopping doing like belgian ipas on cask like six and a half percent belgian ipa on cask i can't um, even a mandarina bevaria I can't even imagine what that would look like, let alone taste like. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, it was called it was called it was called Euro Trash. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, there's a they had a, a a Mandarina Bavaria hopped Hefeweizen called Pigeon Toad Orange Peel, and again, occasionally Tom would put it in cask, and it's just ridiculous. Like Hefeweizen yeah. on cask, like yeah, what who what what absolute mentalist is doing this? Um, I know. I, I'll so play, in the same time, give it to me in a dimple mug. You know, I'll, I'll take a pint of that orange juice. It was yeah, incredible. So, and this was the issue. The, one of the issues he had was that he he produced some of those beers on both cask and keg, and he struggled to sell the keg because people would just buy the cask version. Okay. And he he definitely found that he got pigeonholed as a as the cask brewery, and people people weren't willing to take the punt on keg beer. Um, having a kind of a, an independent keg product, it, it's not new to North Wales, but certainly having anything that's not a lager is is mm. definitely within the lifetime of our brewery. Like the first two years before I started working at Wild Horse, Chris and Dave, um, Dave obviously started it, did a lot of work convincing people to put this hazy beer through their lager taps essentially and what they considered to be either lager or smooth taps. <laughs> like, um, so did a, got a lot of funny looks and yeah, just it's. Uh, I think it's important that we didn't start with cask for that reason because I think we've we've done some really good work in in bringing people into the kind of 
keg craft beer game in North Wales. But now we're in a position where we've got the capacity to, to have a play around with some cask. So we've done three full brews. So we did a, a really nice all citra pale, then did a, an oatmeal stout. And then the most recent was a classic American pale ale in the in the Palomino mold, but only for Nice. So yeah, so orange, right. uh, kind of orangey malt. It looks orange. It's got really nice kind of decent malt build, a bit of crystal in there. And then yeah, Cascade and Chinook doing the heavy lifting. Mm. Well, I think we would probably have to say uh, shout out to Heavy Industry there for, for laying the groundwork. Um, as they say, it, it's the second mouse that gets the cheese, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I, I know if anybody's listening who's who's been in the beer scene in North Wales will, will know Heavy Industry. Uh, they've got their beer into kind of the North West a bit as well. And yeah, they're, so, they're sorely missed. I'd, I'd love to have them back. Well, uh, I think we've we've jumped ahead far too much. We need to take it back to the start. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's entirely us. These wild horses—they're they're untamed. You mentioned that Dave was brewing on his balcony in Calgary. Calgary, a lot of people might know, is famous for the stampede. Is that where the wild horse name comes from? Yeah, that's the that's definitely the genesis of of the idea, anyway, of of wild horse. Um, it, so a lot of our branding and our names come from come from things in North Wales. Um, we're very fortunate to have a. Uh, an amazing herd of wild kind of ponies on the mountains in North Wales who are um, kind of stewarded by a few, uh, a few families, a few families have been going a few generations up in the, up in the hills. So it kind of tied in really nicely and they were, yeah, almost ended up opening the brewery in an old stables as well. So everything was kind of oh. pointing towards something. Yeah. Something horsey. Very nice. Yeah, they, they had to decide on a name. So they were chatting to John T, our graphic designer, who was saying, I can do you a brand, but I just, you need a name first. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough to do a logo without knowing what the name of the brewery is. So, but yeah, basically they were like, well, we're going to go for a walk on Conway Mountain. If we see a, if we see a wild pony, that's it. It's wild horse. And they saw a wild pony it's wild horse and um for the first few years that we were going uh there's a roundup every year in the winter of the wild horses they get taken to lower ground because the the weather's pretty dreadful um up on the hills and yeah they went along took some wild horse beer for everyone that was volunteering helping out and um yeah every year now when we have a roundup have the roundup we send a few cases of beer over for the for the for the guys and girls who were uh, who put in all the hard work for free and and enjoy a beer after they've done that? So, uh, so yeah, oh, well, that's a nice little bit of CSR there. And uh, you know, if anybody does want to help round up some ponies, that now they know there's beer involved, I think they're going to be overwhelmed with volunteers. Yeah, it's going to be more people than horses, I think. <laughs> Need a second group to round up the people that have got lost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just going to be. Uh... Yeah, just carry on and carry on. Yeah, well, that's it. Talking about people getting lost out of the charity we deal with is the uh, Ogwen Valley Mountain Rescue Organisation. So uh, oh. that leads into that quite nicely. Yeah. So. Uh, so how does how does the uh, the charity involvement go there? Is it purely fundraising, or is it um, making sure that the people can't they rescue off the mountain are well hydrated? We've always raised funds for them, so they they cover the area where the, the wild horses are, so they kind of tied in really nicely. So we used to have like a little charity pot when we had a tap room, um, but we've also did a uh, we collaborated with Brick Brewery in London, who did a Three Peaks challenge and wanted to mm. collaborate with breweries near 
uh, each of the peaks. So we did the Snowden leg and uh, a portion of it went to charity. So Ogden Valley Mountain Rescue Organization got um, a portion of the beer, uh, it's a portion of the uh, profit. Sorry, they got some of the beer, of course, we gave them some of the beer. Mm. Um, but yeah, not while they're up the mountain, of course. No. Um, no. But we are, yeah, having a having a chat with them at the moment about actually doing something else a bit more direct with those guys to, to really promote what they do because they are all volunteers. So everybody, all the mountain rescue organizations in the UK are voluntary. So nobody gets paid. They don't get any funding from the government. Uh, it is all charity. So they get, they yeah, I mean, they do get some really nice donations. Like Land Rover have given them a really nice uh, 4 by 4 but still, you're talking people risking their lives to help people on the mountains and they're doing it in their own time. It's a lot like the RNLI. It's a bit silly when you think that um, it's all voluntary funded and, and not uh, centrally provided. It's just charities. Although I think we're probably slightly off topic now. Um, Sorry. We should back to Nakota. No, again, it's... I'm I'm not a good horse rider. Um, <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm a fan of tangents. I'm just intrigued as to how many horse riding puns Curtis has in him. So I, well, I feel Don, like you, you better saddle up. Good. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not reining them back. Puns. Oh god, <laughs> it's going to be a long. And that's episode. not that's not even the main one. <laughs> oh nice. There's that's a long a, tail on these. Sorry, they're, they're all off the hoof. Um, back to Nakota. I, and I'm, I'm not sure you might agree with me here. I'm going to go for, this is my hot take. I've had a kind of residual taste like I have from a fruit pastel. There's a, a lovely fruity, slightly sweet, but then cuts off with the bitterness. And that's that's what's the moorishness that's drawing me back. Uh, and that could be because I have had other things to drink tonight. And I've had some interesting food, but that's that's what I was just in the back of my mind while I was listening to all the stories that I was getting. I I could potentially see it as kind of like a fruity a fruity tang almost, but I think that's the bitterness playing on the tongue. And yeah, just sipping this draw, I was just left like this lovely, lovely taste, a lovely feel in the mouth. I get why this is I get why this is the flagship. Um I've had many pints of it before and but this is the first time i think i've properly sat down and thought about it whilst i'm drinking it which is which is nice like it's something everyone should do every like treat yourself um and yeah i will i'm sure i'll have many pints of this afterwards i would definitely recommend this for for a session beer well thank you very much that's it's it's nice to hear that i know obviously like it sells well so it's nice to hear that um but yeah like i, I do think it's the kind of beer that because you can drink it in pints quite comfortably maybe don't think about um but uh but yeah i mean i would say that we we we're kind of fairly balanced with the way that we approach it as well we could we could give it kind of double the amount of dry hop that it gets um, and you'd end up with kind of even more aroma but um but that would impact its drinkability so we've brewed it so much we've kind of refined it to the point that we've you get plenty of flavor but you also it doesn't impinge on the drinkability so uh that balance that's really really what we're looking for so it well it's got to taste great but you've got to want to continue drinking it and that's uh that's that's really key to this beer i'm, I'm just gonna just gonna refine my fruit pastel comment back slightly because I, I probably didn't clarify it enough it's not as intense as the fruit pastel of course uh that's just the the kind of the genre of flavor that's dialed back a long way 
it is still very drinkable. Um, before I dial back any more of my comments, uh, I think we should uh, go to the fridge and get some more beer, and we'll be back after this. Hey, Dom, you know what I love? Seamlessly integrated ad reads? Yes. Great deals? You bet. Try new beers from breweries around the UK. That's right, but not everyone has a podcast where they can do it every week. That's why we've teamed up with Bruiser to offer you £8 off your first box. Bruiser is the service that takes fresh craft beer from breweries around the country straight to your door. Every month, over 120 of the best breweries in the country create a box that showcases the best they offer. All you need to do is select which one you want a box from, or you can leave it on random. And of course, enter the code 3 Men when you sign up to get £8 off your first box and support the podcast. That's code 3 Men for £8 off your first box. Now, back to the pod. Uh, welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast. Still joined with Chris from Wild Horse. Uh, and while you've been enjoying that advert, we've gone to the fridge to get our next beer, uh, which is a collab with Wilderness. And it's uh, Blooden. Blooden? Blooden. Blooden. Very close, don't worry. It's, uh, it's, it's a Welsh word. It means flower. Flower. Well, I think that took me about as many tries as it took Liverpool to put seven past Man United very recently. Um, but while I'm pouring this out, Chris, can you give us a bit of background on this beer? I can. Um, so we're massive, massive fans of Wilderness down in Newtown, Mid-Wales. They mainly kind of specialise in mixed firm, wild, wild beers. Um, but one of their core beers is a bitter, which used to be called Beer Ordinaire. And it is, yeah, it's, it's co-fermented with English and Belgian yeast strains. It's super fruity. It's just a great beer. So we yeah we we were interested to to do a beer with them so we we dropped them a line and got chatting and we both love session beers so I mean we've talked about Nakota already their beer ordinaire is just sensational so we thought why not find a way to sort of mash up the two beers um, so it's not an exact kind of uh, mashup but it's it's taking the the kind of American approach from uh, Nakota. So using Idaho 7, which brings really lots of lovely um, orangey notes, but then using the, the kind of British leaning of their bitter and using an interesting hop actually called Ernest, which is not your kind of regular British hop that's very kind of earthy, a bit spicy. It's uh, They actually shelved it back in the 60s once they developed it because of its coarse American characteristics, which is the most camera thing you've ever heard. Yeah. Um, they were like, this has flavour, let's get rid of it. It um, reeks of Dunbar, doesn't it? It does sound <laughs> a lot like Kodak inventing the digital camera and going, no, we don't like that. <laughs> it is a little bit. Um, but I guess if you're going to overlay that on a... Uh, on what, what would be normally a traditional malt bill that it might not work. I do get that. So um, the, the malt bill is a little bit more kind of uh, complex than what we would normally brew for a pale ale. So it's kind of got really lovely orange hue. Um, but the earnest really brings a little bit of fruitiness, but quite a lot of dankness. Um, so it's got a pretty interesting flavour and aroma. It's got that kind of orange playing off with a bit of pine and a bit of dankness and a when it was fermenting, it, it just smelled like passion fruit juice. So for it to smell like this now is is pretty mad. The the, mm. the change in the beer, um, but it does just retain like a, a real nice lightness and uh, drinkability and just yeah, it's got a little bit more bitterness because obviously we're 
were using uh, wilderness as bitter as inspiration for it. But yes, there's a little touch more bitterness than we would sometimes put in a pale ale. But I think again, it kind of it finishes really dry and it, it just kind of yeah, it just slides down. It's great. I have to say, my first few sips, I am I am really enjoying this. It's I think the catch-all pale ale term works really nicely because it does have all of those elements and you kind of from sip to sip you sort of focus on a different part of it whether it's that kind of yeah more kind of uh, soft pale start but then the bitterness at the end or you do get some kind of peppery stuff in there as well and then the dankness overall is is fantastic i'm sure i'm going to enjoy getting towards the end of this don what do you think yeah it definitely um hits all those notes on the palate doesn't it it kind of it's a sensation for everywhere you don't just have the sweetness you don't just have the juice you don't just have the bitterness you kind of have them all at different stages i'm really enjoying the dry finish um it's something that a lot of beers kind of try and steer away from it's not something you get very often um and i think when you do have a dry finish sometimes it's really easy for it to just be too dry um and just kind of completely switch you off and not wanting to go back for another sip um but this is balanced really well um and yeah that dryness just like works perfectly with the flavor in this and yeah it's it's a very it's a very interesting it's a very interesting beer while still being sessionable which i think is just really fun like as a beer geek like it's very nice to have beers like this um because it's not often you can have a pint of something where every sip you get something new and you get a pint to think it through rather than just a third i mean that's yeah that's great isn't it it's more it's more enjoyment for your time exactly and i'd I'd actually be really interested to try this on in keg and draft rather than just for a can see if there's any kind of difference there i believe there are a few locations that are launching this on keg Yes, so uh, this beer isn't. Well, so we're recording this on a Thursday night, and it's actually out tomorrow at ten a.m. So you guys are getting a bit of a sneak peek into the beer. So um, it's only really us at the brewery who've who've tried it. James at Wilderness and Helen at Wilderness haven't even tried the beer yet because the the palate is snowed in. It's on its way to them. But, oh, of uh, course. It's, it's literally in a depot around the corner from the the brewery, and it's snowed in. So at least it's <laughs> cold store. It's cold, so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty fresh when they get to it. So, um, yeah. So we've um, we we were thinking about how we could launch it. Could we? Did we want to do a tap takeover? Did we want to do something else? And just thought, why don't we kind of? We normally release our beers at the brewery and a few local places first, and then it goes onto our trade list. So we've got kind of the places in our immediate vicinity who would sell our beer. They get kind of first dibs on the, on any new release. Um, we like to keep that kind of local feel and and the low uh, kind of our local fans who are so dedicated and and committed to our beer, they get a bit of a treat by getting it a couple of days early. But we wanted to kind of co-release this and, and coordinate the release. So we've got thirty four launch venues that are launching wow. it tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah mate so it's like amazing that the response has been so nice um it's mainly across wales so we've got a really nice spread in north wales um we've got uh, a couple in mid wales and we've got uh three or four in south wales as well so and that's a mix of can and draft uh we've also got a few launch venues just over the border into england we've got one in oswestry one in st martin's uh, shrewsbury 
and then a, a couple in Chester and Cheshire as well. Well, I have the list of uh, launch venues in front of me, and I'll, I'll save everyone me trying to read them out because I don't think it's entertaining. <laughs> I did think about trying to rap them or sing them or 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 find a way that they rhyme, but I won't do that. But yeah, it's a nice nice good spread. I think you probably could have got more southwest, but that's that's just me looking at a yeah. map with uh, with dots in it and not population on it. Well, the, the, there are actually a few places. Uh, there's a couple of nice breweries down there. Um, Bluestone Brewery have stocked our beer recently for their St. David's Day box, which is very nice of them. Um, and there's a few bars down there that we could have done some work with, but we've actually sold out of kegs by that point anyway. So uh, we only produced 19 kegs. So if you get it on draft, it's pretty limited. Well, uh, there you go. All you breweries and uh, beer venues in South West Wales need to be quicker. Uh, well, while we're talking about Wales, I think we should probably talk a bit more about the kind of local scene. Obviously, this is a collab. How, how do you find the kind of collaboration relationship and uh, all of the different breweries and venues you have in your area? Yeah, we get on with everyone, really. It's Don't get me wrong, like North Wales is is, is not the, the most heavily populated region. Um, so as such, we've probably got about as many breweries in North Wales as you might find in a kind of a, a decent-sized city in England. Um, so we've probably got 30 or 40 breweries in North Wales, North and Mid Wales. But, yeah, there's there's a variety from... Uh, you've got a, a wicked brew pub called Black Cloak in Colwyn Bay, and they're working off a two- or three-barrel kit that's selling most of their beer through serving tanks uh, and on draft in the in their in their bar, up to, you've got, like, Wrexham Lager and Purple Moose, who are pretty big. Purple Moose are a bit more traditional focused in what they do. They've got a couple of craft beers, but their bread and butter is cask ale. We're friendly with everybody, really. We, it's yeah. We when we get the opportunities to drop in at a brewery, we go and say hello. There's a few of the breweries who have their own um, kind of high street shops, like Purple Moose do, and they stock our beer. They stock uh-huh. beer, yeah. They st- they stock beer from all across Wales. So they're really they're not just selling their stuff; they're promoting other local breweries as well. And there is a real collaborative feel to it. Yeah, we get on well. Um, the probably the best known brewery in North Wales in our scene in the kind of craft scene would be would be Polly's. And uh, yeah, they they yeah they just seemingly came out of nowhere and just started smashing it from day one. They're, they're super nice people, uh, super talented. Um, yeah, Aaron and Sean who run the show. Uh, uh, yeah, really nice lads. And then you've got Lally, who's the head brewer, who used to be head one of the brewers at Mad Hatter. Really fortunate. We've got some really great breweries, really nice people. And then the outlets as well have really taken a, taken kind of craft beer under their wing. There's a few specialist places, but there's lots of more mainstream places that stock craft beer as well. So it's, yeah, it's a really nice spot. I think what, because we studied in Swansea um, and we've like obviously visited parts of Wales and things and I think everywhere you go you do kind of get that very warm welcoming collaborative collaborative feel to it um so it's really nice to see obviously you spoke earlier about helping the mountain rescue as part of the charity the collabs the horse wranglers not their official term but sounds cool Cow- cowboys um, is a much better term Dom, for, <laughs> for people who round up horses um and yeah just having the just the welsh names for the beer and things um how how important is it to kind of convey that welshness as a brand i feel like it's something that comes across as something you're very proud of yeah i mean i'm i mean i don't i don't particularly sound that welsh but i'm i'm from bangor i speak welsh fluently um i'm very proud welsh and i get 
people, the guys at the brewery joke that I'm a Welsh nationalist and I'm going <laughs> to start burning holiday homes, but that's that's not the case. Um, I am, yeah, just a very patriotic person, and and we all, all all of us that work for the brewery are in North Wales because we love North Wales. Uh, we've got a few people who've moved in from from outside Wales because they love North Wales. It's something that we want to. Yeah, it, it is something we want to convey. It's not something that we necessarily convey always with our names. So we don't we don't name our beers after very literal places necessarily. Uh, not in the more traditional naming routine that that breweries might have done um, in the past. But yeah, all our almost all our branding has got some sort of uh, local connotation to it. So the Dakota label, the uh, the artwork is called Gwydir Forest. And that's just an amazing forest down the Conway Valley. Buckskin is shattered no bay. It's more of a, some of them are a bit more general. So the how much kind of amazing seaside there is in North Wales, that's kind of the shattered no bay. But, but yeah, like there's, it's all the activities you can do in North Wales. We've got a beer called Cadence, which is kind of to do with mountain biking and cycling. We had a, a beer called Statement of Youth, which was a climbing pitch on the Great Orm. It was one of, it was that, that, the hardest seawall climbing pitch at the time. They did a film about it. Um, so, yeah, we, we're we just super proud of being in North Wales. Look, I, I say this quite a lot. If we if we wanted to be rich people, we wouldn't live in North Wales because that's not where the money is. But it is where the, the amazing work-life balances of just having the most sensational scenery. My commute to work is 25 miles, and I get to see mountains, beaches, the sea, waterfalls. I get to see the most ridiculous things on a work commute i could be yeah. stuck on a tube my commute is also 25 miles and i see um a single carriageway some dual carriageway and then a lot of traffic so yeah, I, I, mean... I can i can definitely see the appeal <laughs> sorry to brag but it's we're, we're, very, <laughs> we're very proud and we're very fortunate like i'm fortunate that i'm from this area i've lived in i've lived in manchester i've lived in cardiff both amazing places uh love them both dearly love to go back to those places but yeah, I'm back in North Wales and this is where I'm staying. Well, there you go, Matt. You don't need to run away from us to New Zealand to get a good work-life balance. Just um, <laughs> go to North Wales. I think we've uh, we've established or you've established there uh, that the, the whole scene is friendly. Um, if we're going to take you outside of the comfort zone now into the, the rest of the UK or, or even the world, actually, uh, is there a, a brewery that would be a dream collab for you? Maybe not for, for Wild Horse as a collective but yourself personally that would be a good one to sell yeah that's such a tough question uh there's probably in terms of the uk it would be burning sky um just in terms of the 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 output the the variety of output the quality of that output the way that the the approach beer is so good it's a similar vein we talked about the kernel already but burning sky is similar um but yeah they do a bit more on the mixed firm side and um i mean i had a i had an export stat they did the other day with coffee in it it was sensational but they also mm. nail cask beer and they nail ipas and they nail mixed firm mm. saisons it's like there's nothing they can't do seemingly. Uh, so, so yeah, for, for certainly, I think for the brewery, Burning Sky would be one. Uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon necessarily. There's, I imagine they're at the top of most people's hit list. Uh, for me personally, it would be a, a brewery in uh, New England called Maine Beer Co. Who are in Freeport. Lunch and dinner. 
lunch yeah. time to dinner but not just those beers they've got a beer called peeper um they've just the the balance of those beers is just absolutely ridiculous mm. they only sell their beer in 500 mil heavy bottles um they just they they're part of one percent of the planet where one percent of their profits go to to charities um everything is about the local community everything is about giving back the way they approach their beers is is so refreshing it's not just about hype if it was about hype they'd be canning their beer and sending it all over the u.s they don't do that uh yes you can buy it in shops but really it's only in the local area so for me yeah main beer co just yeah, what an amazing place. Only been there once. I'd love to return. Yeah, Very it's nice. definitely, uh, definitely some beers that are on my hit list to have. Although I, I, th- I feel like I've had one of them. But I, I'm possibly that's from a dream. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, they're very good, so I'd yeah. uh, recommend trying to hold them. Sounds like uh, I do need to run away to New England, if not New Zealand. I was going to answer the question. I realise now I should also make it clear what I'm trying to ask at the start of my questions and then elaborate further rather than dropping the actual bit you need to answer at the end. That's <laughs> that's just me learning. It's continual improvement. It's continual. No, it's fine. If, you, if you're happy with me staring at my kitchen wall for five <laughs> seconds while I come up with an answer, I'm quite happy with that. So put me on the spot. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. Um, it was interesting you did mention Burning Sky, though, and obviously they're farmhouse-style beers. They're kind of more wild beers. Wilderness as well, lots of farmhouse wild beers. Wild, wild horse. Um, it seems to be an area that you haven't made too many forays into, kind of that wild, mixed, firm area. Is that something that is in the future for Wild Horse? It's not in the immediate plan, but it's something we've discussed. So uh, at present, the unit that we've got is is full. We haven't got any storage space for for kind of any barrels that we might use for, for wild beer, because obviously you want to keep the the <laughs> the funky beer away from the clean beer yeah you don't do not want to be mixing those two up um although i'm sure i'm sure like a, a nice little funky nakota might be quite nice but um <laughs> but it's probably not what a lot of people are going to be after so it's definitely something we've talked about um we we were actually going to sour a portion of this beer but um james from wilderness was was ill just before coming to uh, do our brew and it turned out that he was all right just on the day that he was coming so um we hadn't in the end prepared to to sour a portion of this but that was the original plan was to take a hundred litre fermenter and and uh pitch a bit of breath into it and store that well away from the rest of the brewery yeah um but that is something that we'd like to do but it's not something we're rushing to do we're we're, we feel that we're still i mean we're at the end of this month we'll be eight years old so we're that's quite a long time for a brewery we're not we're we're not new anymore but we're i mean it's still but we've still not been going that long when you compare it to some of the kind of family breweries around who've been going 200 years, 300 years. We've got a lot to learn still. We've got a lot of refinement to go. There's no rush. Like, um, Chris is our head brewer. Like he's still in his thirties. I'm in my thirties. Dave's in his early forties. What's the, Dave's going to kill me for saying that. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Uh, I'm so sorry, Dave. It's, it's what. It's, sorry, I Dave. You did it off I, camera, say so you look like good for early forties. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So we, there isn't a rush. Why? Is, I mean, we've got plenty of time, and like none of us are thinking about moving on anytime soon. Um, 
let's just nail what we're doing at the moment. When we've got the space to do it, I think it's something we'd like to do. Uh, a lot of us really, really like um, spontaneous fermented beer, wild fermented beer, wilderness being one of them, Belgian lambic, stuff like that. So yeah, it'd be amazing to do something in North Wales, kind of capture the capture in that uh, kind of a wild culture from North Wales. That'd be really cool. What's uh, what's terroir in Welsh? Got me there. Yeah, um, I would great. say I would so I would say it would be something like uh, it, not not too dissimilar like or tier so tier is land so T I R so or from the land so that's kind of what terroir means is that right yeah, yeah. so or tier I'd say maybe maybe you've just given me a little marketing idea there for when we do actually release yeah. something fermentation I'll I'll obviously credit you well I was going to say you can have it for free it's uh, yeah. I'm like give away charity to mountain rescuers. I like to give away beer idea names. Well, Every now and then, in... Curtis's marketing corner does come through with some absolute gems, and I think yeah. that may be one. I'll take any ideas. I'm happy. I'm happy. We're we're happy to 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 listen to ideas, but uh, I hope that doesn't mean our inbox will be filled with people <laughs> saying we want we want Palomino and here's here's some here's some ideas for for beer. We but, we want um... lunch and dinner, but just let that you brew it or let them brew it, and then you just call it the welsh word for lunch and dinner okay so yeah so lunch would be kinya dinner would be what most people well the dinner's the southern word right and it's uh so it's it's tea really let's be honest so te te it would be yeah. so kinya te there we go and that it again shows just how little welsh i learned in my four years living in wales we should probably end this segment by talking a little bit more about this beer I don't want to say I've really enjoyed it because I say that every time, but I have really enjoyed it. Uh, this has been uh, it's been a really fantastic one to sip around through, obviously, the excellent conversation. I don't think the complexity has really dropped out for me. I, I've still, and that's that's not saying it's a beer that every time you sip it you have to think about it, but every time you do think about it you get a bit different. And it's um, yeah, I definitely like to have a few more pints of this, probably in a nice pub. This is definitely one, and don't take this the wrong way, because I, I don't know why you would, but um, I think this could actually be a really nice cask beer as well. Um, I just think that kind of the bitterness or the dryness of the finish, sorry, I think that's something that is nice in cask beers. Um, so I would be really interested to try this in that environment. Um, and But yeah, like drinking it today from the can, I would definitely say... If you're close to one of the venues that's releasing it, get there and get some cans of it. Um, it's been a very like it's been a very enjoyable drink, um, and yeah, it's very different. If if you buy this expecting a pale ale, a straight up pale ale, you might be a little bit confused, but go into it with an open mind and you'll definitely enjoy it. Like the amber color of this that um, is perfect for me. Um, it just has it just ticks lots of boxes that I didn't know I had. And I think that's yeah. what I'm going to say about it. it. It's not a it's not a track Idaho Seven Juicy Boy really enjoy, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Ernest a bit more. Hopefully, it doesn't take another uh, sixty years. Uh, just very quickly, just to I don't take it as an insult, but it's could be good on cask. Uh, Wilderness is beer on air. They're bitter. That is a cask beer. It's a canned beer, but it's also on cask. So really, it should be good on cask um, if we've done it properly. And if you think it's good on cask, it would be good on cask. Then I think obviously we've we've done our job properly, which is amazing because that's that's kind of part of the derivation of the beer. Um, in terms of yeah, there is definite 
complexity to it and that's great because we we didn't want it to just be a like you say a um straight up what you would expect as a as a pale ale um but also i think we've got to remember where the where the term pale ale comes from pale ale it, like something like timothy taylor landlord that's a pale ale People would call that a bitter these days, but that's a pale ale. So, so kind of going a bit more traditional, that is what a pale ale would have been, more British style. So, um, pretty happy with that. But I know what you're saying. It's not. It's not a big DDH kind of crazy amount of grams per liter hoppy pale ale, which I love personally. But this isn't what this is. So, no, thank you for the kind words. Well, uh, we're going to go to the fridge and get the third beer now. So, stay tuned for that. See you in a bit. They drink beer, so much beer All of the different types of beer They drink beer, lots of beer It's beer uh, We're back from the fridge and onto the third beer We're still with Chris from Wild Horse Chris, thanks for sticking by I know it's been a, a long session But we're not quite there yet We're uh, We're cracking onto some of the I was going to say fruitier, but I think darker is probably the right adjective. We've got the Cascadian Dark Ale. It might be a term that a few people aren't familiar with. Can you clear up some of that uh, nomenclature? Yeah, so it's um, it's pretty similar to what most people would know as a black IPA. So we've brewed this a little lower in strength. So it's not quite a, what we would class as IPA strength. So it's 5.2%, but it's it's got the same premise, basically. It's... Uh, it's a dark malt, uh, a dark malt bill. So you've got a, a really nice kind of dark, pretty much black beer with what you would class as kind of like an American pale ale or American IPA hopping bill over the top of it. So you're, you're getting a, a real kind of mashup of flavours. So you do get the uh, the backbone, the malt backbone that brings notes of kind of coffee, toffee those kind of more um, intense flavours that you'd get from darker malts, but also the hops that we've used are American hops. So uh, we bitter it with Magnum and we've got Chinook and Idaho 7. So Chinook is, yeah, big hit of pine, proper West Coasty type of hop. Uh, and then a bit, bit of a newer hop, um, which we love, uh, Idaho 7. It's, yeah, kind of our favourite hop at the moment. Like mm. Loads of orange, uh, citrus, kind of, but not not too kind of grapefruity. So I absolutely love black IPAs and Cascadian Darks. We all do at the brewery, and they're just a really interesting style. They're, they're not kind of, they're not crowd pleasers, but they're, yeah, there's a lot of complexity to these beers. I always find with them that there's a, with the, the malt bill being so so strong and so much a part of the flavour, there's an interesting balance to be struck, and and sometimes they can be overhopped. Is that something that was uh, sort of a conscious decision and making sure there's enough to go on top of the malt with, with this one? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked about a balance a lot. Trying not to make it too too thick and heavy and stouty, and 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 actually just taste like a kind of a hoppy stout, but also trying to make sure like you say if you if you go a bit too heavy on the hops then you're not getting any of that malt character coming through because we i mean if you if you're going to put dark malts into a beer you really want to bring out the 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 amazing characteristics that they have we've got a a coffee roastery down the road from us about 400 yards down the road called heartland and some of the coffees that they've introduced us to us are super fruity kind of Mm. stuff that i wouldn't have expected before kind of getting in touch with like kind of 
be, being in contact with a coffee roastery. So I kind of see this beer as kind of our fruity coffee offering that they would have. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just quality beer. Uh, this is number one of the Element series. Um, now I'm going to read the back of the can because I, I don't want to put you into a, a bad place. But the Element series explores the ingredients, processes and techniques or elements that make up the world's most diverse beverage beer which one is which one is this is it is it the dark malt the roasted malt is it yeah re- really what this range is about is about being able to to play with things being able to yeah have a bit of fun with the beer that we're brewing not just mm. kind of um pale ale lager pale ale ipa pale ale lager ipa repeat something that we can we can just go we fancy trying this style today we're going to brew that, not having to think too much about how we brand it. So not having mm. to spend, because we, we do spend a long time. It's it's the process that we spend in terms of coming up with a concept for a new beer. We wanted this to be quite quick and quite organic. So we wanted it to to be a case of we have a, a label, which is a, a, a generic is the wrong word, but it's a, it's, a, it's a label that will go on to all the Element Series beers. Okay. Um, which includes some of the obviously the the kind of brewing techniques and the brewing equipment and some of the local um, stuff that we love like the mountains. But we can just change the color and we can tell people what the style is. So rather than spending our time thinking of what the branding is going to be and, and kind of continuously thinking about new things to put on a can label when we know we're only going to brew it the one time, um, it frees up that time to be able to put into the recipe development so yeah kind of black ipa we did a black ipa um as part of uh, what we used to call our 10 barrel series which was kind of similar to what we used to do here and yeah that's 6.3 percent it was great but i would say that the hops that we used were a bit harsh it was nice but this is way more refined this is way easier drinking so um our first cask offerings have been in the elements range as well because it's a bit out of our comfort zone. So kind of a few bits out of our comfort zone have gone into that. We've had a, a New Zealand pale ale, so hopped only with New Zealand hops. And then the next beer to come out in this range is a Belgian wit beer, kind of a modern style wit beer. We're not saying it's going to taste like Allagash White, but that's kind of the, the theme. It'd be nice say. if it came out as Allagash White. Man, if that's... it tastes like Allagash White, we've nailed it. We can just go I home. mean, put me down for two boxes if it does. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it tastes like Allagash White, I'm not selling any, it's mine. I was um... going to say, we won't be able to get two boxes anywhere. <laughs> that is such a great beer. My God. Like, when I was out in New England, I did not appreciate that beer enough. I was, I, yeah. yeah, I was, I was after the the hazy boys. I'll be honest. But how uh, available it is for the quality, I find is is staggering. I mean, I I was watching a video online of somebody. I think it was basically an advertorial of somebody had bought one of these. Um, put your beer through this system, and it makes it taste like draft. Uh, and they they're doing it with two cans of Allagash White, and I'm like, you're drinking one of them, fine, but why are you experimenting with such a lovely beer? But anyway, that's me fanboying over Allegash. Oh, too mate, much. do you know what? It's a, it's a brewery that I forgot about when you asked me the question of who we'd collab with because Allegash are one of those as well. Um, would you would you take them over uh, over Main Brewing? They're so different though; those two breweries. Um, I don't know if you tried any two of them. two part series then. Yeah, I mean, it, if we're going over to the New England to do a collab, we might as well do a couple, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes Got sense. to make the most of it. 
yeah, so we'll 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 have, we'll have them both. You know, I mean, they've never heard of us, and it's not going to happen. But, <laughs> but at the same time, but if yeah. you turn up on their door saying we've come all this way, they they've got to. I mean. I feel like if that happened in reverse, uh, we would probably close the door. Um, <laughs> All right, there's, there's the headline. There's the headline. Wild horse turned down. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to have to rip, kind of reverse quite quickly. Yeah? What I meant was, <laughs> if it was a brewery I'd never heard of from kind of randomly in the middle of nowhere in America, which goes kind of how I class is where we're from in the middle of nowhere yeah. in Wales, um, we'd be like, uh who are you <laughs> um but but no i'm joking no but um yeah what a beer so um it's taken us off the off the tack of the day you're drinking so upon it. <laughs> <laughs> but um but this so this beer was actually a leaving present from a previous colleague of ours called george who uh was a brewer at Alphabet Brewing Co. and we pinched for about 15 months and then he returned to Manchester and we knew he was leaving and he said, can I please brew a beer? Uh, can I do a recipe? I'd like to brew something for a go. And this was his, uh, this is his legacy. So um, he's done a fine, mighty fine job. Um, I, I was uh, going to say, have you, uh, have you quality controlled it first? You're not just going, yep, fine, cool. We'll put that in the can, hope for the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> quality control at wild horse is uh is uh is paramount so uh, so so yeah yeah it, it, it wasn't the equivalent of like sticking a fish behind a radiator it ended all very amicably so uh so we we knew it would be good but uh but yeah so uh, fair play he's uh he's, he's done real well there yeah no i have to say i we normally talk about the beer at the beginning and the end of the segment not the middle but um i'm i'm very much enjoying the balance here this is a question that we do like to ask to everybody that comes on the podcast and that's if you could brew any beer any style any ingredients there's no commercial pressure to sell it doesn't matter how much the ingredients cost how long it takes for it to barrel or or to lager or just to to get out of your head what's the uh what, what's the dream Hugh staring into space this is the difficult thing because i'm not the brewer so i've got a different See, I always think about things in how I can sell it. Okay. I love drinking the beers, but I also think about can we sell it? <laughs> because that's my job. So I've got I've got that has to be obviously it's paramount in how I think about beer. Yeah. But this I've, is you personally as well. Not Wild Horse the brewery. This is your own personal view. So I would say probably something like a a, a blended spontaneous fermentation beer that's akin to a Gers. So something like uh, what Burning Sky have done with their Cool Ship series. So from number three onwards, they were able to blend beer from their first and second spontaneous brews, which is what the way that they produce Gers. Uh, in Belgium, they take young, like one, two and three year old um a spontaneous fermented beer and blend them so something like that uh alternatively a uh a barrel aged imperial stout so uh that which is again something we might do because we've got a whiskey distillery in the town we've got penderian have opened their own uh a, a oh, second nice. whiskey distillery so yeah they've, they've actually there's a swansea link actually because they've their third whiskey distillery is due to be open in swansea this summer so oh, wow. um, yeah so they're producing um peated whiskey in Candidno. So uh, something, yeah. So either, yeah, a barrel-aged imperial stout 
or uh, yeah, like a, a proper Gers, because that would take about three years to produce, four years to produce. Any uh, any any adjuncts in that stout? Initially, if it was going to be a Scotch type whiskey, so a Welsh whiskey, it would just be a straight up Imperial Stout. I think. I think I if you could. Yeah, I think so. I think that's in terms of when I I do I do like an Imperial Stout. And I do like a barrel aged Imperial Stout. Uh, if I was going to put any adjunct in an imperial style, it would be probably cacao and vanilla. Mm-hmm. So I, li- I like those notes. Coconut works quite well, but it could be overpowering. So yeah, cacao and vanilla, just the notes that kind of already come through and complement uh, what comes out from the malt already. So I have to say, I think uh, cacao and vanilla is the uh, citra mosaic of the imperial style adjuncts. <laughs> It is. There's a there's an amazing meme that I got sent last Christmas, which was all the um, if you know like the really rubbish uh, Channel Five Christmas movies where everybody's wearing either a green or red jumper, and it was Citra. Have you seen it? No. All <laughs> oh, right. So so it's like the it's like the front cover of like about twenty five different Christmas movies, <laughs> and it's usually the protagonists are a good looking man and a good looking woman in like, either a red or a green jumper. And it's like Citra Mosaic and all in different fonts. <laughs> so each one has got the title as Citra Mosaic. Um, and it's just like, it just sums it up perfectly. <laughs> I, I think I've seen the meme template, but uh, I do love a niche meme. I love that. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's my favourite beer meme of, uh, of of recent times for sure. Is there is there a strong beer meme community? I feel like I've not tapped into it. Yes, definitely. There's a... Uh, there's uh, an account on Instagram called Hayes Boys or Hayes Bros. That's good. And then there's a British one called Username with Beer in it. I I have a strong suspicion who it is, and I don't know if it's a secret, but it's uh, it's a it's a it's a podcaster, and uh, that that is wonderful. Uh, that's pretty pretty much nails any kind of. It's a fairly new account, but it pretty much nails any current beer news. So kind of when. Brewdog launched their Nitro Stout. There was a pretty good meme on that. So username with a beer in it. That's with beer in it. That is uh, that's a pretty good. And then there's also a, a guy in America called Alex Kidd, and okay. he's he's called Don't Drink Beer. He is a he is a lawyer in LA, but he is in like the beer trading game in America, and which so is huge. It's massive, yes. Honestly, some of the memes are so good. They're so cutting. They're so funny. So, yeah, Don't Drink Beer is really worth following and username with beer in it. If you want some beer memes, they're the guys to follow. Well, that is that is the top tip I didn't know I needed. I yeah, I, I was going to say, if the, if the last beer ticked boxes I didn't know I had, then uh, that useful beer memes pages is uh, another box that you've just unearthed for me. So I, th- I think oh. that's going to be my day at work tomorrow, to be honest, just scrolling yeah. through those pages. <laughs> While we're on the subject, uh, top Lambic breweries for you? Or, or, or beers from said breweries? For, for me, it would be uh, Dree Fontainen would be, for, uh, yeah, like that's, the beer that they've produced has been some of the favourite beer I've ever drunk. Uh, their Gers is just yeah so refined and so drinkable from the off but it also ages incredibly well i love what cantillon have done in brussels they were basically it was dying as a dying art and they just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and and just kept their just yeah just kept their tradition and their heritage and just yeah it's been in their family for a long time so yeah they would probably be 
two two of the better ones two of the best mm. ones for me um but a, a newer one is uh den herberg who do okay. a girls called cuvee de Ville, and that's just delicious sort of really great beer definitely uh something i know i need to investigate more i think i need to get over to belgium for um some of the some of the beer festivals there it's a Although, deep rabbit hole is what i'll say once you get yeah, in in that it's also a case of you know a beer festival in the uk if you're drinking a lot of um fruity pails juicy pails they can seem to merge into one lambics i think is even easier if you're not taking your time and enjoying them you're wasting good beer by drinking it too quickly i think you just need a rennie's on hand as well just in case so so, some sort of alkaline substance to uh to neutralize the acid that lambic brings at times is key i went to I went to a festival in, in Brussels last April called Quintessence, which is what Canteon put on, and it was mm-hmm. Lambic all weekend. So Rennies were very important. Speaking of festivals, maybe on a slightly lighter note, 2023 festival season coming up. Is Wild Horse going to be attending any? We'll be attending a few as punters. Being as we are kind of staying in, in North Wales a lot, we don't tend to, to kind of go to lots and lots of craft beer fests. Uh, some of them are invite only. We're obviously not friends with the right people. And also, let's be honest, there's there's so many great breweries in the UK. There's only so many people you can invite to a festival. So we 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 yeah we're not <laughs> we don't feel kind of uh, left out. Um, but yeah, so there's Chester Craft Beer Fest in May, so we'll be at that. And then we are we've been reinvited by our friends from Rivington Brew Co. Um, for farm trip. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, that'll be year three in a row, and that is a such a phenomenal beer festival and it's such a great uh tap room that they've got there in site so we're really excited about that um at the start of september i think or end of august yeah it kind of yeah i think it's it's over three or four days at the very end of august start of september i'm not sure what the ticket situation on that is but uh if there are tickets get them because it's (laughs) it's it's just a great location it's in rural lancashire it's near Rivington Pike if people know where that is it's this incredible hill uh, and then a reservoir at the bottom and they're situated kind of at the foot of that so it's on a on a working farm um and it's just yeah the way that they've set everything up there is just stunning it's it's like no other beer festival I've been to high praise indeed I, yeah I mean make sure you set your alarms to, to find out when tickets are are, are coming out for like the thick of it yeah, can, can you tell me the announced when you can announce the announcement i mean i've got absolutely no idea because fortunately we don't have to buy tickets because we're going (laughs) i suppose suppose that's a nice problem (laughs) yeah i don't think that they've launched tickets yet but i will uh... uh, if they have it'll be posted in the uh, in the description of this episode and if they haven't we'll also share it when they do yeah please do lots of commitments we've made there (laughs) <laughs> uh, speaking of commitments though I want to uh, commit my love of this beer right now because uh, I have very much enjoyed this I think I've enjoyed it almost as much as I've enjoyed forcing segues this episode it's the kind of beer that you wouldn't always grab in your fridge because you've usually got a payload or an IPA it's kind of how I find what I do I open my fridge and go yeah kind of what what hoppy what hoppy bastard have I got next <laughs> and I wouldn't always grab this but when I drink it I'm like I really should be drinking beers like this more often. I mean, the malt bill, malt bill makes it slightly less drinkable. It's slightly you, you could you feel like you might be a bit heavier after having three or four than you would have at similar strength pale for the one or two that you might have at a time, or just one because you know 
Get a, get a mixed can. Get a bruiser box. Get get typically eight. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, if we do a bruiser box, it's it's either eight in a glass or it's nine cans. So depending depending on what we've got available. Yeah. Uh, if we don't have nine different beers at the time, we'll we'll stick a glass in. And then yeah, other breweries do different things. So uh, it's yeah, it's a pretty cool subscription. But if you if you've got those those nine different and you've got one of each, then I I highly recommend not leaving this till last. Like we said, the last beer was was complex and that made it enjoyable. This is a similar. The lasting flavour you have is that that you get from a typical pale. So every time you take that next sip, you're slightly surprised if you're not concentrating that it's got the dark roasted malts. And you have that dark flavour at the start, and I find that wonderful. Yeah, I have to say, for me, I definitely fell into the camp at when we introed the beer of people that didn't know what a Cascadian dark ale was. Um, so having it described as kind of like a black IPA makes a lot more sense to me. Um, black IPAs are definitely something that's kind of attempted a renaissance a number of times over the last few years, but hasn't in my eyes, kind of successfully made that jump. You see a few people have good attempts at it, but it's not something that's become kind of widespread. Um, so this is my first beer of that style in probably a year, 18 months. Um, and yeah, it's a really, it's another interesting one to drink. Um, it's, you kind of have the roastedness from the coffee, like those coffee roast notes, but it's not like a, dark harsh like you would with a stout it keeps it kind of light um like you mentioned still a little bit fruity and then you have kind of like the hot bitterness and that but the sweet bitterness kind of like almost like a caramelized that goes alongside that and that kind of keeps it light keeps it at the 5.2 percent so between that you just get like this really interesting beer to drink i've really enjoyed drinking it um, it has made me want to look into more beers described as cascadian dark ales give them a go find out what I'm missing. And yeah, I just think this is definitely one that is something different to what you would normally drink. Maybe like a nice palate cleanser. If you're on a hazy session, throw this in between. Um, and yeah, you know, really good beer. I really enjoyed it. I, I think you have to say though that this is, and, I, and I'm not just saying this, Chris, because you're here, but it's, this is a, a good example. I think it, it's, um, there are many beers that try the, or many breweries that try the style and don't get it quite right. And you either get it too hoppy and it's it's just an ipa by a different color or, or it's not hoppy enough and and too malty and you, you have a, a brown ale that could be could be six to twelve months old and you've lost all the hop flavor but um no i think you've uh, you've smashed this one out of the park to be honest uh, and the other thing i'd say yeah if you if you don't think you're normally a fan of it find somebody else to try it to get a can of it and then try a bit of it because I, I think you probably would like it even if you don't want to take the plunge yourself yeah i mean I, I would just say that like kind of going into things that are outside your comfort zone often reap rewards. So that's where something like a, a subscription box might work or yeah, I just think sometimes and I'm, I'm really guilty of it is that I will go on, I'll go onto a website and I'll order or go into a bottle shop and I'll just pick up six of the same style of beer i think if you do put yourself outside the comfort zone even if it's one bottle or one can of beer just to go i'm gonna try that and if i don't like it i'm not going to return to it but at least you've tried um that's kind of where this elements range comes in as well is it gives people the opportunity because there aren't like like you were saying don there's not that many of that this style of beer out there when you compare to 
with the amount of kind of hoppy pale beers there are. So, and and it's down to sales, of course. Like if there's commercially, you've got to make sure that what you're brewing is going to sell. If you don't sell mm. it all, then yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not. What's the point? Yeah, exactly. You've got to be able to, to to keep the lights on in the brewery. It does boil down to that. We've been we're in a bit of an uncertain time at the moment, where a lot of breweries and breweries that you wouldn't expect have, have uh, unfortunately closed their doors, and that's incredibly sad. So um, more so than ever, breweries are looking at their what they're producing and making sure that they can sell it all. But at the same time, variety. You should need that variety within the, in the industry, and um, if we can bring a little bit of that, don't get me wrong, it's not a huge part of our output. But if we can provide that somewhat, then uh, then we're keen to do that. I think also if you if you build up a strong local base and, and a base that trusts you, having a few of these beers come out where they might stray outside of their comfort zone because it's you, is a is a pretty powerful sell, and I think that's it's all the better for the industry. I know also I'm pretty guilty as well of uh, going onto a, a website when I'm doing a bit of a an update if I if don't have time to get to my local bottle shop and I'll add, go, I'll add that, I'll add that I'll add that, I'll add that and I get to the end and go, oh no I'm not spending that much money on beer and then I'll go to the to my uh, basket and take out the ones I'm less comfortable on and then yeah, you end up with your similar style basket In terms of kind of people going out of their comfort zone, I you're talking about uh, kind of going to a bottle shop and or going online and looking at oh wow okay this is how much it's going to cost me you're committing to spending a certain amount of money on on beer that's more expensive than what you could buy from the supermarket or from some of the bigger brands then of course you want to you want to confirm that your hard-earned money is being spent wisely right so I, I totally get that as well and I appreciate that that we're in a in, in the the industry is a luxury product industry uh, and we're, we're very fortunate that people choose to spend their hard-earned money on what we do um, but maybe just throw a throw a wild card into your basket and if you do one at a time then you don't have to do you don't have to buy a whole basket full of wild cards you can buy one at a time and if you don't like it you know for then for sure and i think that's what's nice about going to the pub and going to a tap room you can buy a third or a half of a beer that you're not sure if you're gonna like but you're not committing to a full can of something and when you're out it seems like less of a less of a splurge i think so chris if they want to make that wild card a wild horse uh the best what's the best place to find you so uh, our website is uh, wildhorsebrewing.co.uk so we've got a web shop on there there are a few other places that, that sell our beer so if you're local to north wales there's a lot of places you can get our beer best the way to find out is just to drop us a drop us a social media message or an email and i'll send you a list of places that stock our beer but yeah uh, and or sign up to Bruiser and uh, choose us for your first box, and then carry on with all the amazing brews that are on there. And uh, if you use code Three Vice Men, you get eight pounds off your first box. That's a bargain, absolute steal. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, drinking with you tonight, and uh, I'd like to thank you for all the time you spent, Dom. It's been pretty good to have you here as well. Cheers, so, mate. Uh, thanks, and uh, thanks to everybody for uh, for listening. Uh, Yakida. Yakida. Yakida.